0: Dead bod Rap Pod. Uh, we're here to uh, eulogize another hip-hop artist, unfortunately, but somebody that we actually got to interact with a little bit and work with, and it is part of the show, recently passed away. Uh, as you may have heard, John Newkirk uh, died at age 56, and his voice is the one that you hear at the top of our theme song. And I just... I almost don't know what to say anymore, Nate. There's just so many of these uh, untimely passings, um, and so this this news was as shocking as as any.
1: Yeah, um, uh, I don't know what to say either. Other than um, you know, I just we I wish this didn't keep happening, and it's truly unfortunate. And um, our condolences to his friends, his family. Um, this is, it's a big loss for the hip hop community. And, um, I've had a couple of interactions with Don Newkirk over the years. Um, Dave, as part of his, uh, responsibilities as part of the, uh, record label needle to the groove, put out a record with Prince Paul and Don Newkirk, the vinyl pressing of their, uh, by every means necessary volume one, um, which was the soundtrack to a Malcolm X documentary. Um, great music Don Newkirk was an important musician and kind of known as someone who uh, ran with Prince Paul the day and to this day and uh, he's he's hip-hop's announcer he's hip-hop's like kind of yeah. like um, uh, Don Pardo uh, yeah. who was the announcer for Saturday Night Never. Live who if you get a couple beers in me I will do an impression of uh, <laughs> but yeah it's um, it's a solemn occasion and we're re- I as far as we know and I'm not like trying to make this about us any more than i'm about to but i think we're the last thing he announced he announced yeah. uh third base and he announced stuff on multiple prince paul records and he announced uh the the intro to our show and we were through the connection with him from putting the uh the record out we were you know right. we were happy to put some money in his pocket to do that and the man who introduced zeb to the world also introduces this show every week and for me that's that's very meaningful, and um, we really appreciated him. And um, that's kind of what this is. It's terrible.
0: So we want to just to reiterate: re, uh, rest in peace, Don Newkirk, and we appreciate his contributions to the show and hip hop in general.
2: And now it's time for the Dead by bon Rap Pod with your host, Damone Carter. David Ma and
0: Nate LeBlanc, podcasting live from San Jose, California, is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I am one half of your host this evening, or whatever time it is, wherever you're at. Jamon Carter, aka Dem One, joined by my man Nate LeBlanc. What's good?
1: Uh, what's good? Uh, uh nothing. Nothing's good, but I'm all right.
0: That's fair that 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 tracks um i'm uh i through different channels i now have a subscription to the new york times oh and the la times okay so i can confirm that things are pretty yeah fucking
1: yeah bad. Shit is coast up to coast. Man, on both coasts
0: <laughs> coast <laughs> to, i just spent all day reading going like fuck fuck fuck
1: I have Um, to severely limit my news intake. I was hanging out with some older relatives, obviously, for the holiday that just passed. And they were like, did you see this? Did you see that? And I was like, no, I never watch the news. Like, I do not watch the news. Like, occasionally, my wife will still make us watch, like, election returns. And that's the closest thing to the news. Or if something really terrible happens, like when the uprising was happening, you got to watch the news just to know what's going on in the world. And But I usually get my news in written form, and I, this is kind of sad to say and sounds super weird given what's going on. Most of my news from Twitter. From Twitter, I, yeah. I try to get it from, you know, reputable sources, but I'm clearly curating my feed to cater to my whims, you know what I mean? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just had a big conversation. It, it, it was about to turn into a big conversation with my parents about how they think the news used to be neutral, and now it's biased. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, <laughs> No.
0: <laughs> that's not the case.
1: It has always been biased. biased. It was ways, biased. I couldn't get all into it. But I've been thinking a lot about the news lately because my older relatives were shocked that I didn't watch the news. And I'm like, I don't consider myself uninformed, quite the opposite. I consider myself yeah. to be very informed. Like, ask me a question. Like, let's talk about what's going on in the world. But I don't get it from the evening news. And I haven't for many, many years.
0: Yeah, it's it's really a, a generational gap in terms of what we consider being informed. Like if you ask my children about the news, they're like that awful thing that grandpa watches. No thanks. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. It says a lot about um your age and really kind of your worldview. The news in, in terms of biases, you're getting you're getting a little smidgen of a worldview. Twitter's a little bit larger, although even that feels like it's shrinking. I feel like it the, just
1: depends who you follow, though. That's your choosing
0: no no are, right? since since the muskrat has taken over i'm like how is this right-wing fuck face on my feed now like mm-hmm. i'm I'm reading things that i'm going i feel like this wasn't happening six months ago it, is, is like, it
1: people quote tweeting things to dunk on them and then you see the actual opinion
0: no i'm seeing actual people who i find were fucking repugnant just on my feed and i'm yeah. just like what like block what like what and is move this move
1: on my friend just block their entire account they do not exist
0: they they shouldn't if you're gonna but... hang
1: in there I, this is super weird and now we're off on a little bit of a tangent here but i'll continue just for one i don't know if you looked at it today but um when i was looking on my lunch break today our mentions from october 31st to now were are gone and yeah. if you looked at our yeah. notifications, it was like not not even mentions notifications. It was like yeah. it was still Halloween, and yep. I was like, "That's weird." And it feels like one of those things where it's like, "Oh, it's breaking."
0: Yeah, just bit by bit, you know. Everybody's kind of prophesizing this um, apocalyptic Twitter event, but actually, just like in real life, things will just get gradually shittier over yeah. time, and we'll all make choices about where we congregate. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird and unfortunate so i'll I'll let you know how the la times new york times experiment is going um i do go through phases like this as well where i'm like um i just need to tap out of this shit completely okay. but but for rap news we're not news uh <laughs> for rap opinions and takes we're still out here um doing our thing we got a dope interview lined up for you on the other side of this segment um but yeah, Nate, why don't why don't you uh, pilot us into this uh, setup here?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, so we have Daddy Kev on today, who is like uh, many many things, as you will hear. Primarily a DJ, not something I was thinking about. Um, but it, like you, you'll hear that in a minute. We're we're to that. For now, what I wanted to talk to you about is like how much does mixing and mastering matter to you, and like, just the setup is like mixing uh, the only time people talk about mixing is if something is wrong with it yeah like and so we've talked about that a little bit uh there was some like controversy at the first very first day or two of the when the danger mouse and black thought record came out so we this kind of pops up occasionally when people are talking about records and i never i I never hear what people are talking about i don't think i have particularly good ears i'm not um i'm not trained in this kind of stuff and i don't i don't listen in that way um and i literally do not know what mastering is even though so many smart cool people have explained it to me so many times and i've yeah. literally sat with cats who are engineers and they're like it's this it's that and i'm like knob twiddle i lost i'd like okay so the my joke that i have to make about this because daddy Kev literally wrote the book on compression and mastering that is the current thing that is available to you that again you're gonna hear about in a minute and we'll probably talk about a little bit more on the back end is like it reminded me when I was reading the excerpts on Amazon of that scene in Billy Madison. Have you seen Billy Madison? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, he takes (laughs) Veronica Vaughn into the tent. And he's like, you know, they're gonna hook up or whatever. And she picks up uh, Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. And she's like, Dickens, I don't think we're quite there in the curriculum yet. And he's like, I understood nine words in that now. <laughs> and that is how I felt looking at just an excerpt, probably a pretty user-friendly excerpt of Daddy Kev's book on compression. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about but uh, the music Daddy Kev you master sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, Daddy Kev is operating as somebody who follows him on Twitter where he's been giving out this mass, mixing mastering advice for years now. Um and as someone who's been in studio environments and is Lightweight conversant because when I'm doing music, I need to be able to communicate with the engineer what I want to hear, etc cetera, et cetera. Uh, Daddy Kev is operating on a real master's level. Like it's okay. not even. This is not for your novice uh, person yeah. trying to so trying to get in the game. One last piece
1: of setup, which is I think because. When I first started listening to music, we were in the cassette era, which does mm-hmm. not sound great anyway. I'm comfortable with hiss. Like all yeah. the all the records I first listened to were hissy because my parents probably played them at parties and stuff and didn't put them back in the sleeve right for 20 years before I ever got to them. And then we were listening to mostly dubbed cassettes. So oh, yeah. professionally available cassettes, but many, many dubbed cassettes. And because a lot of the music itself was being recorded on cassette four tracks that I was really interested in. The content of I think I'm one of the people who least cares about audio fidelity I, I just don't care about it but we you're know a, how I feel
0: you're an infidel um
1: <laughs> an infidel that's funny how do you feel about all of this
0: so you know even back in the day and and I even predate you by a little bit um yeah tapes were were the main way that we listened to things and I feel like even then, and I know I wasn't alone in this, was like, ah, that's shitty. (laughs) You know what I mean? As somebody who was like, you know, kind of novice around DJ culture, hearing things booming out of cars, I was ecstatic when CDs dropped and the clarity just improved so much. And so mixing and mastering is one of those things that it's complete inside baseball until the shit is fucked up. And so for (laughs) listeners, I would ask you to check out um Diggle Planet's Blowout Cone their 1994 release which is a great record um one of the best records of that era and it's mixed poorly it sounds like it's underwater if you compare it to low in theory or other things that even predate it and things of that time it is mixed poorly it sounds um it just it sounds bad Um, And I hear those were intentional choices by Doodlebug who who mixed it to have it to have some kind of like jazz feel, but it just didn't land. And I always hold that up is if you can tell the difference between that and let's say Midnight Marauders, um, that says a lot about what mixing and mastering does. The best metaphor that I've heard used for it is like uh, for mastering anyway, is like there's a difference between going to the car wash and getting your car detailed. (laughs) When you want to get your shit detailed when you want that shit to sparkle when you want it to be like showroom ready you have to have it mastered so i i'm not even claiming that i'm some kind of expert i can i can hear if your shit's not mastered tree his first couple records are not mastered well if Mm. at all and they Mm. don't sound they're not as loud they have the big boom 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 but it's not like other tracks boom 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 because they're not mastered they're not stretched out in the way that uh they need to be to sound like the industry standard and so uh daddy Kev kind of breaks it down even deeper than i understood towards the end of that interview but uh yeah that's that's kind of what it is it matters to me but what i love about what's happening right now is i think um it's not there was a time when it was about perfection i think dr dre is like the high watermark of that where it's about everything is pristine and super clean and I like now that people are playing with different textures, cheat codes is like that. Cities of Eve is a great example of somebody who, who uses mixing as an art form. Mm. The way the record is mixed is a creative choice. So yeah. I like a lot of the things that are happening now, um, but Daddy Kev is above and beyond in terms of uh, his engineering and kind of tailoring the the sound of the music that we like.
1: So like... This is a dumb question, but I feel dumb on this subject, so I'm just going to ask you. You were around things like this at the time, like were Mystic Journeyman records mastered?
0: No, and they were mixed poorly, and so okay. uh, obviously didn't get into this with Sunspot Jones. But that was something for us, and, and if you compare and contrast, there's a group called the Derelicts, which are their contemporaries, where it I learned from them. You go to the studio, you record on Ampex reels, so the shit sounds pristine. Because we're trying to be like Low in Theory, because we're trying to be like Midnight Marauders. It was great to hear Sunspot Jones talk about um, they weren't going for that, and right. and in some ways their undermixing was a creative choice. They were like right. four track centric um, and all that. But I will say this: uh, the lackadaisical record that we did, Tracks Million, myself, Jesse Jones, when I was nineteen, and they were younger than me. Um it was easy to turn it into a good sounding record because we had it on Ampex Reels recorded. It was mixed by somebody who mixed records um, and it stood the test of time. And when you listen to there's a difference between uh Miles Davis records from the 50s and like Charlie Parker records from the mid forties. There's just a difference. Right. Like it just the sound obviously
1: is the the graph of like fidelity goes up. And oh that's right like it's always yeah. getting better yeah. um I, yeah i i just uh what about like do you like listening to demos like i love to listen to the demo of a song not rap usually but like you know like the beatles just put out that revolver box that we were talking about that yesterday while off mic like yeah it has it has some of the demos that john lennon recorded and it's like they haven't really figured out the words yet and it obviously has tape hiss like yeah i could i could listen at all well, way. i don't need something to sound good to listen to it it's it's I just i don't like it when it sounds bad i don't know
0: it, why it can just in the same way that you could watch a grainy video and get something out of it but also that doesn't mean when you go to the the movie theater you're not like i i want to it just depends on the time and the context right so yes yeah. i can definitely appreciate um and there was a time where i do think um I went the other way. I do think there was a time where the the hiss and the nastiness was fetishized. And I was just like, eh, I'm not fucking with that. But as time has moved on, there are cool things that are not recorded great. Um, and, and I can still listen to them.
1: I don't know if you remember this, and I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, excuse me. But last year, one of our favorite songs was Gangsta Rap by Blue. And it's produced uh-huh. by Mad Lib. And it has like an absurd amount yeah of record hiss on it yeah and i i can't if we talked about this sorry everybody sometimes we forget what we talk about i i tweeted about it and i was just like walking down the street and i was like wow it's really really hissy so i threw out a little tweet about it and people were like oh that's that setting of fake <laughs> record hiss i hate that and i was like <laughs> you don't think mad lib has some scratched up records like does Madlib need to put in fake record hiss to I know, make uh. something sound away? Like isn't it that he sampled a scratchy record? It's kind of like an Occam's razor thing.
0: <laughs> where it's like I'm like
1: clearly this is a choice because in the little that I understand about mixing, the hiss is left in the mix pretty high yeah. and it's a thing they're doing they're evoking a mood and a time, but yep. it, uh, I would I don't know, I would put up a lot of money or something like a rare record or something. If somebody could prove to me that Madlib uses fake record hiss and doesn't sample hissy records, that would shock the shit out of me. You get what I'm saying? right? No,
0: I, I totally do. And I know there, there are settings that, that replicate that. Um, That's an interesting I feel like one. People can, you can tell though, right? It's like everything else is hella clean. And yeah.
1: then it comes in at this like moment and it's like the fake record
0: Putting down the needle sound and yeah, yeah, a fake yeah.
1: record hiss, I feel like I can tell, but and, I don't know I, if I can. And tell I whatever. feel like
0: Mad Lib would have access to the the engineering prowess to to not do something as you know cheesy as just pressing a button. But who knows? I'm not going to get all DJ Khaled. I don't know what people do <laughs> <laughs> and how they produce <laughs> their things. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely interesting as a as an idea as a creative as a creative choice. And I think we're just, we're getting into an era when everything can be so clean, when the average person has, can have the studio set up that would have cost a million dollars in 1972. You know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. everybody's um, got it at their fingertips now. So yeah. perfection isn't necessarily the goal anymore. There was yeah. a time when it was and it's it's just different now, but um super interesting and all the more reason why those who are really interested in this should get Daddy Kev's book i want to get it for every engineer friend in my life um because i feel like they would understand it it's almost I like i can't remember
1: if this part is on mic or not but you're like should you ask him you're like should i order this for my engineering bros. And he's like, I don't know they're going to take that. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> Is that a diss? Like, like, I hey, would
1: Hey, dude, can you sound more like Daddy Kev, please?
0: <laughs> if somebody got me the Black Thought book on how to rap, I would be low-key a little bit. Like, yeah. okay. All right. All right. Um also, also, I would read it. Um, <laughs> so... So there's that. But um yeah, I feel like um mixing and mastering is something that's under discussed. It's one of those things that it only gets noticed when it's done poorly. But when it's done effectively, I think it can do a lot of things. And I, I think Daddy Kev, um it's just, I mean, he's a multi-hyphenate. We just spend a lot of time talking about mixing, mixing and mastering. He's a dope ass producer, he's a dope ass yep. DJ. Yeah, he created um he in the interview he really demures, but he was really the focal point of the party low-end theory and the kind of um, scene that emerged around it. We didn't really get to get into that too much because I, I felt like he was like, all right, guys, I got a new party. Like, get off that. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt like um, you're really talking to somebody who uh, is just super dope in so many different worlds. It was it was really cool to uh, get the time with him.
1: Was he our first engineer that we have interviewed?
0: No. Um, still tip Dove. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 And yeah. I think Boathouse we interviewed as a producer, but he's also an right. engineer. Okay. Um, good
1: call. Good call. And um, uh, while while we're talking about the the Midwest and uh, New York in particular, I I did want to shout out Willie Green,
0: um,
1: engineer. Who I'd love to MacBook talk to stuff, and who yeah. we'd love to talk to, and we've never actually, I think, like sent over emails, but I would love love to talk to him. And like, I also really enjoy the music that he mixes and Woods in particular, when we've interviewed him, has been really complimentary about um, his, what he brings to the table as the engineer and as the person who is kind of responsible for the sound of the final product. So even though I don't know what I'm hearing, as I've said now about 10 times, I can tell when somebody does it in a way that sounds good to me. You know Uh, what I mean?
0: Absolutely, in the same way that I don't necessarily understand film. Or everything that my my favorite director or editing people are doing, but you you feel it. It impacts your experience of the art. And so, um, but while we're on the subject, also shout out to Gang uh, PTP, who um, whose mix of preaching in Havana, uh, by Fat Boy Sharif, uh, really innovative stuff. And I think he also mixed this Lone Sword lungs long sword record that i really like um so i'm, I'm just really excited because people are just going in crazy directions with yeah, this And a, again
1: like talk about multi-hyphenate like he's yeah. also like designing the things and uh the merch and the liner the j cards mm-hmm. and the all this different stuff and just has his hand in so much of the art that we really admire and i i told him this offline in real life but i want to every time we tried to talk about gang in the Fabboy Sharif interview that zoom dropped off
0: Dang. It, was it was like it was we
1: it was like spooky it was like oh that's what hilarious. going on and it's like you know it's probably uh no face has you know cannot it doesn't Pay for the upgraded Wi-Fi or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a, a kid in an apartment, but um, I oh, had to tell funny. Gang I was like, "Dude, we really wanted to shout you out during the interview, so thank you for doing it now." Okay, and I hope he listens to this. But it, dude, I was like, it was almost weird. Like it's you could just tell every time we tried to get back into it, it wasn't happening. So that interview ended up really weird and short. Uh, but big shout out to Fat Boy Sharif. Big shout out to No Face and always yeah. um, shouts to Gang, friend of the program and um someone Since we've talked back. to on the show and like could have probably a mini series on all the various things that he does um for all the various kind of artist scenes but the work he does with those uh newer artists and i think is like a he's a he's a boundary pusher and i admire that
0: yeah and there's and there's a lot of that in terms of engineer as almost i'll say it engineer as artists these days and so um but like, you
1: know, that's there's precedent for that in, like, the whole dub world, right? Like, that sure, was the thing sure, that really drew sure. me to, like, listening to scientists, listening to Lee Perry. Studio to- as totally. instrument. Totally. Yep. It's such yep. an amazing concept and something yep. that kind of blew my mind as a teenager. And then you listen to it and it's like, whoa, they're just really bringing the volume up and bringing the volume down. Like, if you look at the gear in the first Black Ark it's oh, so man. rudimentary dude like oh, a Tascam 4-track is basically more advanced than what he had to make the world's most amazing records it's, it's crazy it's so crazy
0: yeah um once again we're we we owe an incredible debt to Jamaica um but yeah let's let's get into it this is our interview with multi-hyphenate fly guy daddy kev dad bod rap pod is this for real I mean do you
1: I believe more is hidden than is seen. Well, I believe what I see, and I'm still trying to get my mind around what I just saw, okay?
0: Rap Pod. Every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom, we have producer, engineer, criminal mastermind, Daddy Kev. I say that because Loan Theory was a criminally good part. That's why. (laughs) Uh, What's happening, man? Oh, man. Uh,
2: Glad to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me, you guys. Appreciate being here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You've got a new book out. Uh, that every rapper should get their their favorite engineer called Audio Dynamics Compression Techniques for Mod- Modern Mi- Mixing and Mastering. Um, I'm going to say that again so I can cut it <laughs> in and like not uh, sound like an idiot. So you've got this new book, Audio Dynamics Compression Techniques for Modern Mixing and Mastering. But I would like to start this interview by saying Grammy nom?
2: Yeah. I mean, fellowship?
0: What? Amazing. Uh, could you take us through your, your emotions? Because I remember my emotions that day. Can you take us through the kind of emotions and, and how you heard about it and kind of how that felt? Set it up a
1: little bit, though, Damone. Tell them what it what it's for, or do you want me to?
0: Uh, Yeah, so you, Nate, you were part of the project. Why don't you start? All, right.
1: All right. So the Freestyle Fellowship to Whom It May Concern. Deluxe reissue from Key System Recordings, which Dave and I wrote the liner notes for and Daddy Kev remastered beautifully, um, was nominated for a Best Historical Recording Grammy, which I find very funny, even as some, I'm 42, so 91 doesn't seem that long ago to me. I didn't feel like I was writing about history. I felt like I was writing about something that just happened. But anyway... Um, Your work has been nominated for a Grammy. How do you feel? How did you feel? How did you find out?
2: You know, I found out um, via text. Um, My good friend Wiley Cable texted me and said, did you? Because what was funny is I was watching the Grammy, the the um, the noms. And this was one of the later ones announced because I had some other mm-hmm. ones I'd enter. So I was just like watching these ones get passed over one after the other. And then about 30 minutes into it, I had a call start. So I had to switch gears. I was on this other call. I had it kind of open still in the background so mm-hmm. I could just see the, the video. And then I get this text, this one text like, hey, did did you see what Rory tweeted about Fellowship Grammy? And I was like taken aback so then i was i went on twitter you know immediately and saw it and then i had to like you know i was on a call i actually dumped the call i was like <laughs> i was like something just happened and then after that my phone just started blowing up that you know the whole rest of the day it was just like literally uh not stop uh, i probably had 100 phone calls that day so yeah it was uh but then i got to call jupe um and tell him and i got to call micah so i got oh, to call those nice two and thing. tell them the news. So it was great beautiful you know
0: that's amazing are you going to go yes yes oh that's so dope that's so dope if the fellowship doesn't win can you please storm the stage and just scream we'll never we fall we will not off. tolerate <laughs> we will not tolerate that was a, that was a joke.
2: <laughs> you know i mean it's heavy competition i think getting nominated and um is, is is really just huge thing. It's the first rap album to ever be nominated in the category. Um, I mean, what an album for it to happen for. Right. Um, I think like it really, it really just. um, Yeah. I mean, emotionally um, I I feel I didn't work on that record until the remaster. Right. So I Mm. grew up on that record. Like that was one of the template records. When I thought about what, what are we trying to do here? Okay. Like what's the, what's the bar, you know, can we, can we get to the bar, you know, and it was to whom it was inner city griots. I mean, those were the, at, at least in my production, when I was coming into production and really, really trying to do it. That's what I looked to. And, of, and then invariably, these are the guys that I ended up, they ended up putting me on, you know? Um, so it was, it was those guys, the fact that peace liked me and, you know, Micah liked me and, you know, that they were, down to rap at, at, at Concrete Jungle and, you know, just collaborate in that way and then make records. That, that set my whole course. You know, that gave me a, a a level of of just credibility that, you know, at that time, I mean, not that it's, I mean, more than ever, depending how you look at it, right, but it's like at that time, that was really helpful. People took me seriously. Other rappers wanted to work with me because I was working with, with them, you know, and especially in the underground, you know, and that opened up doors for like, me and the Anticon guys you know Doe, soul it opened up doors to ab rude which then led to rhymesayers and you know collaborating with slug and idea and you know just all that early connectivity that really just you know put my career up that 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 gave it the you know the the lift that you know got me to where i am today you know
1: yeah, that that's amazing. I, uh, I'm i glad you mentioned that you're also a producer. I've been wanting to ask you about this particular beat of yours for many, many years, probably decades at this point. <laughs> and I did ask AWOL when he was on, but I've just always been obsessed with uh, your, your collaboration with AWOL One called Rhythm.
2: Okay. And no, I, no sample snitching, but yeah. No, I'm go not ahead. going to. I was just going to okay. say I know
1: the record, and it's a fair. It's not a. It's not the world's rarest record. It's um, not. Not a hard copy to Within either. arms' reach here, and we're not going to talk about that. But I'm curious. Without naming names, how did you, how did you end up, uh, kind of putting that piece together? And what I what I particularly like about that is like it is just so bombastic. Like it seems like it should be soundtracking a fireworks display above like the house of parliament or something like it's just such a big sounding record. And obviously you're an engineer, but you're also a producer. Like for, for those of us who have always wondered about it, like, can you just kind of talk us through a little bit about that record?
2: Well, uh, I lost that beat. So I had made the beat and printed it to Dat. And then the disc fried. And AWOL loved the beat. He was like, dude, he's like, you need to just resample it, remake it. And I pretty much remade it exactly. Like, literally, how it came out was pretty much it. I was obsessed at that moment of like, okay, how can I duplicate it? I have the tempo. I have certain things already in play here. I have the record right here. You know, I have the the same (laughs) flow as here. um, But I mean that one just kind of came together, you know. And it's strangely enough, like like many projects I've been on, that was the last song we recorded. Because okay, mm. so the whole record had got done. Me and AOL hooked up for a week, uh, for like a series of about ten weeks, where every I think it was every Tuesday we were linking. And then that was the last Tuesday, and it was kind of like it got extended because I had lost the, the beat and I couldn't track it to the And it was like, okay, I needed another week, so we he came back but we did that all in this. Uh, at, at my spot and yeah it was uh, yeah great times you know I mean you know AWOL I don't know if you've ever spoken with him but his speaking voice is exactly the rap voice totally yeah so, so, that that so, so there's no yeah. like so you're just having a normal conversation it's like you're talking right. to Walrus
0: <laughs> and,
2: you know and I think he just felt comfortable that was like um, that record was like us getting to know each other you know okay. and, and just kind of like we were just partying you know like each session was basically like a party session yeah it was it was good times that i feel like that record you can feel the fun you mm-hmm. know like it, yeah. it, it he was he was going off and um yeah good great one of my favorites i've ever i've ever done for sure
0: awesome yeah that's such such an amazing joint um can you talk you talked a little bit about freestyle fellowships um co-signing you and how that kind of gave you a boost in the game can you take us back a little bit like where do- where does this all start and did it start as you more of a producer or were you engineering
2: I mean I think it for me it really starts as me as a Dj Oh. Um, that a lot of it just stems from, um, being a DJ from a young age, 13, I still do it. I do it every week still, um, can make it a priority to do it. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, I just enjoyed mixing two records, you know, I enjoy yeah. beat matching and doing other, you know, just having fun with sound live and and, and doing it in a way that can be entertaining um so a lot of it for me stems from that uh you know my my first real industry trade was a graphic designer
0: oh so really? was okay
2: designing for herb magazine and 92 to end of 96 um so that was really my entry you know i was djing you know trying to th- you know i was doing shows i started throwing shows on with high school when i was in high school but a lot of it just kind of really just extends around just being a part of the, the music community trying to create yeah. pathways for the community here to to exist to, to come together to get sparked make records um and then perform right like that's a that's mm. a big that's a big part of it um and but yeah i mean and so far as produce production and engineering i mean it that all led to me producing which led to engineering there being just a high need for it and then yeah that really taking over my studio. I mean, I still record a bunch and, you know, bands or, you know, whatever. I'm still involved in a bunch of different projects, but most of it's like, you know, pretty much mix and, or, you know, mastering oriented. Like that's what this point That's for, if we're talking about that side of my life, like studio life, it's, it's basically about the mastering at that, this point, that's what a lot of people are here for.
0: How, How does your DJ career and like you said, doing live sets, inform both your production and your mixing and mastering sensibilities
2: i mean it informs so much of it like i think most engineers you know you have your your places that your your reference listening areas right that could be your obviously your studio should be your your a car or you know if you're commuting or headphones that's your b you know your c might be like a little portable speaker or something. If you're even being that obsessive about it, I, I love the advantage of having the club. You know, I got soundcheck, you know, these days I, ro- I just roll with the USB. I do all CDJs. So it's easier than ever just to be like, you know, two seconds load over whatever I was just working on that day or that week and being able to hear it on some serious, you know, already dialed sound system that sounds insane already. And to me that, That check club check, you know it's like well it's been my secret weapon for a long time.
0: And and do you do you gauge um, the crowd's response to it at all? Does that go in if if people don't go up for it or it's just how
2: it sounds? I rock it usually a sound check. So when I'm doing my reference stuff, it's like just me and the sound people and the bar staff, and they're getting a treat, you know. So I'm just kind of like playing it. Then you know just hearing just hearing how it's reacting, seeing how it's reacting on the mixer you know um but it i I mean i don't do that for every project you know there's certain projects where it matters less but i do it for quite a few you know most you know and then but to your to to what you're saying though sometimes i do play in the set sometimes it will certain things will sneak their way in there i try to be professional about it and not like playing stuff without people you know it's sometimes artists they don't want their stuff out there until it's done done even though i'm trying to help here just mirror exposure principle get the music in front of in people's ears but you know, i try to respect that but i mean yeah i i really i think i mean again i most of the stuff that i'm mastering my hope is that i can fit it in a set you know that it can fit somewhere in, you know in the middle beginning or end and um but i always think about like albums like that you know kind of like mixtape you know that there's a we're we're, we're a, there's there's a beginning and a middle and an end and there's peaks and valleys and there's there's a real story you know
1: yeah that's awesome i I, i've never heard of another engineer doing that maybe they are and we just never thought to talk to them but that that's real that's so cool like i i don't dj as much as i used to but i do like a couple times a year and i do it so i can hear my records loud you know, it's like I can play them louder in whatever DJ setting I can, then my wife will let me basically. So it's just kind of the, the very minor version of that. Um, I, I I understand that completely. Um, wanted to switch gears for a second, talk about Alpha Pup. Um, just so many great records released on there over the years. And can you just kind of talk about what your vision is for the label and how you decide um, what you're going to put out and how it's been kind of an outlet for your work and the work of, people you know over the years?
2: Yeah, I mean well, the distribution side of the business is bigger than ever. so it's we have some great we have like thirty thousand titles now. It's insane. Um, but the label side, let I me mean, tell you I think to your question I mean we still we're still recording and 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 putting things out on the label. Uh, my partner Danielle, she's a big part of the a and R side of like uh, Pop and the record side. I mean, I think the, the long-term vision is, again, just trying to give young artists a place to grow. Um, I do my best to not tell artists how to m- make their records. So just turn it in and we're good. Um, that's usually what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah, Let it, the, the less they listen to me, the better, hmm. usually, creatively. But, you know, I think that that's the kind of artists that we're trying to find success with these are artists that are one of a kind uh uncompromising you know really tied to the craft um and that's uh, to me that's the primary ingredient you get that part right you know everything else falls in
0: that's awesome um you mentioned doing uh building community for artists and you have i think alpha pup is one space for that um and then there is also this movement, a party slash movement called Low End Theory um, that was really a space for community building. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that got started uh, and and why it, it was so important?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I could say it it started as very humble aspirations. I mean, like you described it, it was at that point I had already done a bunch of other clubs in LA it was it was it was another weekly i was going to try i felt good about the cast i felt good about the residents that were assembled um mm-hmm. i knew i already knew that that was a central part of doing a weekly and we had a great venue you know it was an interesting time in LA um
0: are you referring to the airliner
2: yes okay and and, and the, at that time when we started the neighborhood was not gentrified yet Mm. so we had how shall we say um we had we were able to be as loud as we wanted to be yeah and be outdoors and yeah all the great things that brings for like la partying and california partying just being outdoor hearing the music and just that time too right i mean that love that caliber of of artists uh all together it's just i mean it was boiling over you know and and i think at that time too there wasn't that many other promoters in la who were trying to really go there or had the the booking experience to really kind of fuel it um so we were advantaged in a few ways there but i i think so much of it it was just really fortunate that you had that, that the level of talent with the artists um, was just astounding to me to this day i mean i don't think i don't think about it that much to be honest i don't reminisce a whole lot Um yeah. i got a i got a lot going on so i'm just really trying to keep my mind forward and um yeah, I have a new club called scenario that's really when, I, when i'm thinking about live music i think about it around that context and so far as events and, and community building in la but you know i think that uh you know again i mean Loan theory was a moment in time, but I feel almost what I'm working on today is just as exciting and just as interesting and, and just as uh vital. And I'm doing mm-hmm. a few things different this time around it, just how we're programming it to the booking and uh I <laughs> my hope my goal with the scenario is to make it go longer than low in theory, which is like twelve years.
0: Yeah, I was about to say like... 20, we're going to, right, 20 so, year so I
2: got to like, I got to do like 11 or I got, I got to do at least 12 <laughs> with this new one. So I got 11 more to go. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that, um, again, it was, it was a real blessing and it was, that was a whole, that was, you know, low in theory was a village, you know, that was like the doing of 2030, very dedicated individuals for years, um, to make it happen. And I'm just, glad you know fortunate to be a part of it. it 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 gave me a tremendous place to work from um to continue to still uh work in the music industry
1: that's cool man you're super humble but obviously you like we the part of the huge part of this very very important thing um and you know it's i i hear what you're saying about always moving forward and i appreciate that perspective but if you, i hope you don't mind us taking you down memory lane here a little bit um,
2: all good no i yeah. i mean I I think we, we, we did so many great shows there. I mean, yeah. aside yeah. from the talent and I mean, we really executed technically, we put a lot into the sound. We put a lot into the visuals, you know, yep. uh, to make it have a very specific feel. It took us years to get the sound right upstairs. Mm. Um, and, but we had, there was a few, about five years there where it was just perfect. You know sweet I mean? This, sweet
0: spot. First time my teeth rattled. <laughs> first time my teeth I was like oh because I mean then we'll, we'll hover here and then we'll get we'll move on but I think um one of the great parts about Lo theory was it brought a different sound aesthetic to a hip-hop-ish party like the shit was just hitting so hard the mixed formats um the high caliber of talent that was there like it was a it was a lot of different things that made it not your average Wednesday night and so just as somebody who went anytime I was in LA I want to give thanks for that
2: thank you I mean I always thought about it as like from just a very like audio connoisseur level with what we were trying to achieve and I'm just hyper aware of audio like all the time so it was just became an obsession for me to get it to sound perfect in there you know just to sound colossal with with re- regardless of what you threw at the at the mixer you know that it was gonna do something um and, and, and make the songs very physical that was kind of the word I was always in my mind I wanted that mm. bass to be physical yeah uh, you know nothing that, versus you know just imagination or you know it's, it's just a trip but that was a huge you know LA is cursed in that way most of the rooms sound horrible so or at least at that point uh, they've gotten a lot better some certain ones have but you know the Roxy for instance you know that's a 500 cap venue I think they only have like two 18 inch subs in there okay Mm. so every show I've done in there in the last how many ever years we'll bring in like 10 dual 18s or you know or bring in a lot like at least you know 10 20,000 watts worth too and I don't know. That's really expensive to do. Um, it it's it pretty much there goes your all the money you thought you were gonna make. You're just spending it on production. But I think with the way we were doing it there, we were able to make it work from a community level, um, for people to like put in, you know, Sam Excel, pure Phil, you know, he was down for the program. And then we invested that that he he would have the outside Sam. We were running outside, and then upstairs, that was that was basically me and Elvin, DJ Nobody, like spending the club's money, like spending years building this stuff and I, you know i built some of the speakers myself so
1: wow that's so cool um wanted to switch gears again a little bit and uh you mentioned rory earlier and uh rap ferreira as uh you know people know him now is one of the artists we champion um on the show we've interviewed him multiple times we really like his music including his new record and i, I know that you guys have worked closely together for years do you mind like just kind of talking a little bit about that relationship, and I know you put out, um, who told you to think, and you've just been you've just been around, and um, do you mind kind of talking about his his growth and how you guys have worked together? Uh,
2: I mean, I just I feel like it's just been a joy to watch it to 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 be a part of it. I mean, he had it from day one, as far as I was concerned. Um, you know, he he's gifted, uh, artist so seeing where he's going with it seeing his musical vocabulary expand is perhaps the most exciting thing in recent years um him learning guitar is totally transforming his mind and i mean i think we really the best is yet to come i mean you know um we there's met certain metrics you can look at with an artist you know, you can look at their Instagram following. You can look at their, you know, YouTube subscribership. You can look at the size venues they're playing in the top 10. But you, it's really hard to measure the phenomenon that is Rap Ferreira. Um, If you're aware of it, it's clear as day. I feel like it's as it's easy to spot it. It's just, it's not a diamond in the rough. It's like a it's a pretty blaring, diamond, um, but I think we're just seeing the beginning. It's it's really about him staying healthy and staying um, focused. You know, I've seen the level he commands. Because his charisma is scarier than ever. Um, it, I think it's really about him focusing that. You know, and not that he hasn't. Still, he's a, he's recording at a high pace. Um, creating at extremely high pace, no doubt. But I think um, him again, really dedicating his mind to the to the to the instrument, um, and I encourage that. You know, with any any vocalist, especially. You know, the reality is is that if you're a vocalist, you know you're not going to be taken seriously by a musician until you learn a, a instrument straight up. You, you get you get you get no respect from music community musician community so and you know it depends you know if you're a vocalist you you already you should already know that if you hang out with like other musicians they'll be clowning you all day
0: um, <laughs>
2: but you know for a lot of folks they don't hang out with that many musicians i hang out i talk that's my main friend group you know so yeah. it's all about musical one-upmanship literally 100% of the time talking <laughs> to these folks um but you know that's just that's part of it. You know, again, I just try to stay clear-eyed about it.
0: Yeah, right on.
1: I, I
2: appreciate that perspective.
0: All right. So uh, as if you weren't busy enough, you messed around and wrote a book. Uh, I, I've been following your, your Twitter for years. And um, as a rapper who has worked with many engineers, I, I still can't understand your mixing and mastering advice. But um, but you you put it together in a book. Uh, called Audio Dynamics Compression Techniques for Modern Mixing and Mastering. My question is, what makes it modern? Like, what are the defining characteristics of modern mixing and mastering?
2: <sighs> I think that could be answered a few ways. When, in the chapters around mastering, I'm kind of prescribing ranges of output level like volume so i think that some of those volumes that i'm talking about be it a pop record or rap record or edm are gonna that's gonna be in a modern pocket that's what's gonna work in 2022 Mm -hmm. um that level of loudness would have been just i don't know completely dismissed as garbage you know 15 years ago Some years ago, in digital world, you know, when the ideas around what is a good sounding dynamic, you know, master output, but that changes, you know. Uh, But but I try to have it in a place where I feel like it can't get much louder than it is. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Get much worse? I don't know. I don't
0: know. My son plays me things, and I'm like, dude, this is this is fucking racket. But.
2: But um but yeah, I mean that I try to be modern there. Um I discuss uh you know multi-bus mixing. I'm big into what you call parallel compression. In a nutshell, that means you keep the original signal uh, going and then you, you create a second version of it that's compressed, and then you basically blend those together. Um mm. the way I would do that is I usually start with the uncompressed version, just kind of up where it should be, and then I kind of have two or or at least to other sets these compressed versions of it that I kind of mix together those compressed ones a little bit compressed the other ones a whole lot compressed and then I kind of just do a blend of those three to 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 find a nice you know just healthy output of where it sounds natural you know you can yeah. still hear all you can still hear all the nuances of the, of, the, of the vocal but it has some tone to it it has some you know sometimes just some extra some vocals don't need it you know mm. some vocals last thing they need is compression mm. most do you know if you're trying to sound uh like as full as possible usually, usually just even a modicum at least uh, helps
0: that's that's amazing so for this book um is this for is it by an engineer for an engineer or are you trying to kind of expand that that pool
2: I mean my hope is that there's plenty that there are engineers who find it useful. Um, also producers. I mean, I oh, think right. that for a lot of producers, engineering is part of their process, uh, the minimum, some EQs and, you know, just like trying to get a mix going that very quickly leads to like, okay, well, what else is in the Crayola box? You know, what else can we do here? Um, compression. There's uh, hundreds, if not thousands of different plugins available right now that you can get to, to do that. It's, uh, uh, but the reality is that again I I've always found the parameters and the controls difficult um, that, that that it's not they're not easily obvious to 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 even engineers um, so part of this for me was just kind of trying to get to the bottom of this um, and and present it in a way that I think is interesting I I'm so close to it I've worked on the thing for like seven years so I, I don't I don't. It's hard for me to have an objective opinion about it at this point. I just had to like brute force finish the thing and you know uh, I had announced it years ago. Felt bad for never dropping it. Like it was just becoming a joke almost. And I just wanted to have something to show, you know?
1: Yeah, um, I'm just curious and I know we're about to wrap but I wanted to make sure to get this in. Like is this something you always wanted to do or was it like did you do it because you had announced it or like what what led you to um actually want to sit down and get your thoughts which are obviously highly respected in the music industry down on paper because it's different than just working with clients and showing it with the work itself right
2: very i mean i i regretted taking the project on (laughs) almost as soon as i started it um I had a vision for it. I I thought that what was interesting is when I would go on Amazon and I would look for books on the subject, and it was just at the the time, 2015 at least, there was not a lot there. Um, Just the same, I, you know, then I just thought there was a lane there that it was like, okay, well, there's nothing great on this subject. Since then, there's been some books written that are that are good, but even the best-selling one on Amazon, I mean it's a trip one of the key controls on a compressor is called the ratio it literally controls the amount of compression uh in the best selling book on Amazon about compression the author literally says he has no idea what the ratio knob does just turn it <laughs> till it sounds good you know
1: Whoa. so
2: that's kind of what i'm up against okay um
1: Reminds and, us of reading some hip hop historians' books. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> and and again, and again
2: and just some some old older things like old t- tomes, you know, which again yeah. that have relevance and great many ways. My hope, however, is that I am bringing something unique to the table uh, with 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 yet another offering, and that ultimately I, I wrote it for people to get sparked. You know mm. that, that that you read it and you're like, okay, I want to go make some music right now. Let, let let me record something. Let me let me compose something that I can try, some stuff on. Um, towards the end of the book, I have some diagrams about mix, like kind of mix architecture and how to like lay things out, depending if you're doing a rap mix or pop mix, or you know, just ways to kind of route your mixer, uh, console, you know, DAW, you know, however you're doing it. And my hope too is that that again sparks imagination. Like, hey, I want to fill these boxes in. Right? It says like, here's you know, here's where the sax goes. Here's where the bass goes. You know, and just ideas around. You know, just visualizing it. I, I think many musicians, at least many that I know, are are that they're visual learners. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, trying to just verbalize it is, is doesn't usually get through so much. Um, and, and sometimes the written word won't even do it as well as a diagram to be like, here's, here's, here's how sound can flow. And that's part of where, how I try to do it too. Again, I have a bunch of marginalia in the book and just little fun facts and, and quotes and just the idea too, that you can kind of bounce around it. You know, that's something that you, you can read it through. Yeah. You can read it front to back, but the idea too is almost something you could just reference, you know, like, Hey, I'm recording. I'm about to compress a saxophone. I've never done that before. Boom, let's go see the setting, you know, what, 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 what starting point. Um, and and I'll say this too I, I don't intend for any of the settings to be interpreted as prototypes. Uh, the idea here is that these are just things that work that I've found that can work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's just a starting point. And, and really, the, the fun part about music is there are no rules. You know, you can do anything you want, nonetheless. With compression there there's a there's a science to it and i think like if, if if artists and producers can get better at some of these fundamentals even understand too like being able to speak this language to their engineers right if it's collaborative yeah, yeah. you know like if you're an artist and you walk into a big studio and you know your compression you know that that immediate you you, you will command respect in that room okay you know if you're like hey you know what um Great to be here. Let's set uh, that compressor five to one ratio. I want 20 millisecond attack. And how about an auto release? That's usually how my vocal sounds good. Okay, like if an artist says that to an engineer, probably the engineer's never heard that before. <laughs> <So an artist. laughs> Yet um, to meet this artist. And and but like I'm saying though, it's like again as an artist, what's the goal? Stand out, right? Yeah. Play. You want to play the industry to your advantage. Uh, part of this is about how industry perceives you if you're if you're participating at a record studio you know getting in a studio if you're in a studio if you're on a stage this is about maximizing your 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 value you know um and, and people taking you seriously so i always recommend to any artist, you know this is about knowledge base you know uh you get that part up doors fly open you you slack on that you'll get stomped out of here quick you know you won't you won't last a year so um, not professionally at least. So I think yeah. it's just about, again, like, you know, again, you, the dream never dies, you know, it, but it's about like, can you, can you stay inspired? Can you stay making records? Can you stay you know, a part of the community? I don't know. Right. Like that's here in LA, you know, the different scenes I've been able to be a part of, you know, when you look at the jazz scene, it's multi-generational, mm. you know? it's been going on for decades. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter who's got a hit record, you know, um, or anything. You know, the L, you know, the, the OGs are the OGs, you know, like the people who really have been there contributing to the community, each one, teach one. That's the ethos here. Um, and you know, I just I, I try to stay in touch with that, you know, more than ever.
0: That's awesome, man. We we really appreciate you coming on the program. I just want to let everybody know audio dynamics compression techniques for modern mixing and mastering is out out now
2: out now amazon.com yes
0: out now amazon.com we are going to push daddy kev to number 1 i'm going to check on this <laughs> after 1 in the
1: mastering book category exactly
0: in compression mixing mastering books <laughs> uh, we are going to we're going to put daddy kev over the top thanks for coming in man we appreciate you that was our conversation with daddy kev um which was which was super dope and then he like stayed on the line and talked to us for like another half an hour and said cool things which cannot be repeated here um but uh it was great and i feel like you know he is has good engineer vibes as somebody who's worked with several different engineers i was sitting there talking to him and being like I could see him as being a guy that's easy to work with. I wanted to ask him questions about that. Um, and it kind of went into a different area, but something that's under discussed, and I think Boathouse talked about this a little bit, is like the the vibe that you as an artist set up with the engineer really impacts how the work turns out. Um, and it's some I've heard it called the hang. Like if you can't master the hang in the studio, if you're fucking annoying, if you don't know what you're talking about, like um everything goes to shit and so uh, it, it was really cool to chop it up with them and i i wish i could afford to do sessions with him
1: <laughs> um just to kind of call back to what i was talking about a little earlier he you said as you noted he gives out game for free on mm-hmm. twitter while twitter still exists if you guys are in music you should probably be following daddy kev and he uh he did he Made recommendations for like what kind of compression should be used for podcasts, and I screenshotted it, and then I looked at it, and I was like, I- "I'm not doing any of that."
0: <laughs> like, oh, I really? Even, I,
1: I, I literally got- don't know what you're talking about, like the different kinds of compression. And he, when he was remember he was even about parallel compression, yeah, yeah, and I'm like cool that's why they pay you the big bucks man i literally
0: don't oh that's hilarious I do Mate, not know what you're talking
1: about it's like, like i don't even want a
0: parallel park don't talk yeah. to me about a, <laughs> parallel
1: i might listen to some parallel thought but right? that's about yes. as far as we're gonna go down this road yeah oh that's
0: hilarious. okay so that's on his that's on his twitter
1: yes i can forward you the uh, uh yeah, screenshot please, so you can not do that do. either we don't have any gear so it's just like it, i don't know i use garage band was the one editing the show and it has a little uh it looks like you know those metal knobs where it flicks yeah, on yeah, and yeah, off yeah. and it's yeah. like you can flick
0: compression it up or, or no. flick
1: it down yeah. and it's kind of like a yes or no thing oh and that's hilarious back, back in the day when we really truly didn't know what we were doing i would take the the actual file and bring it into this free audio program called audacity
0: yeah, and yeah add
1: yeah. compression Spression. to the the entire mm-hmm. file to tr- try to get some of the eyes and the lows of what we were doing. Remember we to do the interviews by phone? Oh my god. Through like a dongle, and like oh you would be so god. quiet. So we always had to like mix Boost down it. to yeah. the it just things have changed a lot. But if you listen to old Happen episodes, you hear what I'm talking about. The interview the interview will sound like this. And then I'll laugh real loud like this. And it's like, dude, what
0: are we? How do we get this far? Uh one may wonder. Um <laughs> uh through through perseverance. Yeah, I, I, I use Logic um, to edit the show now um, in my, my rookie season as editor, and um, you can just do so many fucking things. I actually shout out to my man, uh, DJ Cutso, who you all know from listening to this program, uh, came over to the crib and, and gave me some game. So I'm slowly soaking it up, but I like you, I, I can't get too much information like I gotta, I just gotta sip it and then uh, kind of marinate on it. But I, I'd love to see uh, what Professor Daddy Kev uh, kind of laid out there. Um, it was great to talk to him about Alpha Pup and and kind of everything that's that's happening. Thirty
1: thousand albums. That's, wild. that's wild. Distribution. I the number is unfathomable to me. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah. I I don't even understand how that works. What does the spreadsheet look like?
0: <laughs> like like how do you so even cool. yeah, how do you how even how do you
1: know what you're doing? Like I, I just it's just we're gonna get super to be- nerdy
0: right now. Are they using like fucking Salesforce? Like, do they have some <laughs> kind of like right. that's more than Excel, right? When you have right. thirty thousand right. releases to track. CRM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. That's hilarious. I don't know. Uh we yeah. just really our whole Silicon Valley just came out of us right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it He's one of those guys. There's guys that have incredible knowledge and are not going to share it with you. Like there's a lot of folks who really and no shade, like some people feel strongly about. Like I, the,
1: the game is like to be this, sold, not to be not told. told.
0: And now Daddy Kev has been giving a lot away, and now he's selling it. So we encourage, um, you know, all the all the sound nerds, audio engineers, to go cop the book. Um, which I wanted to make an open mic eagle joke, but Daddy Kev has real serious vibes i was like i was like the name of your book is about as long and convoluted as mike's uh thing but i was like
1: that's no. hilarious I can i like say that. the title because i feel like you were not pausing at okay. the at the proper time and no offense okay. but i was just like it's audio dynamic compression techniques for modern mixing and mastering
0: okay all right nate like
1: the, the colon is a pause uh,
0: okay <laughs> it has a colon i think i don't know if when you sent it to me on oh. zoom it has a colon If it copied and
1: pasted correctly.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh. That's funny.
1: It's more of a run-on sentence without that colon.
0: Yeah, so as we always say, get your colon checked. (laughs) Make sure you have your colons.
1: Or cut it it in half and then you'll have a semicolon.
0: (laughs) Which I I still need to learn about. Um, (laughs) So... So yeah, shout out to uh to Daddy Cap for coming on. You guys should definitely peep the book. Uh I'm excited to I will find myself in LA on a Wednesday so I can check out the scenario. Um party sounds super Here cool. Here we go, yo. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but that's what you come to expect from the dad bod rap pod filling up on five full seasons of uh podcasting excellence. Uh two and a half seasons of excellence and then the other seasons. Um and we have a Patreon now. That's one of the major developments of, of the new era for us. And we do this thing, which we've done every year, have we not? Have we done a quibble? Well, it wasn't called no, quibble. We Jail. didn't
1: call it that. We used to have we used to like um frame it like a fake awards show Award and show. We, we called it the daddies or the bodies. We never really decided both of those are not what it is. So we did, we do we never knew what to call it. We'd call it the year or the year-end wrap-up or whatever but Daedalus um, past guest and friend of the program and amazing producer and also part of the low-end theory LA beat scene um, gifted us the name Quibble Jam and we're taking it and running with it last year was the first one this year we have some pretty exciting plans for it and it's always our most listened to um, episode maybe Mm episode of the season because what people really want from us besides these hilarious jokes and uh faces made for radio is music recommendations and basically the year-end wrap-up is just like us sifting through the detritus of another year and yeah. uh pulling out the gems dude what was good what wasn't and what was okay yeah i'm making my list now we got the email uh this morning from jeff weiss from passion of the weiss it's time to do the list for him. It's actually doing a couple of days, so I got, I was working on that while I was waiting for the Zoom to open today, and we'll be working on it for the next couple of days, and it's hard to remember what you liked.
0: Uh, It really is, and Spotify is no help Uh, with all this fucking wrap-up shit. I'm like, I listen to cooler things than
1: that. Uh, uh. <laughs> you're confronted with the banality of your taste. Kind of. I, I gotta it's like... say, it's no offense to anyone who posted theirs. It's a cool thing. Spotify is genius at these Things that gets people to engage with them. I don't like those festival posters. It's bothering me.
0: Okay, so for the first twenty four hours, I was like, "Is this real?" Like, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't in on the joke. You know, I'm just kind of like passively. I'm like, oh, "Okay, that seems like a weird festival." Uh, but there's a lot of weird festivals. I've heard yeah, of weirder yeah, things. Exactly. So I was like, "Oh, that's it- oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's 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 very interesting how like your listening habits have become." an identifier of your kind of uh identity uh especially I think that online. was
1: always the case but it's it's like we all have since the i came out right we all have eclectic i'm doing air quotes you guys can't yeah, see yeah, yeah. music taste sure. and it's like um so it's like in what ways do you come off of your stated or uh whatever I, I <laughs> like visual identity yeah it's like you seem like a hip-hop guy but you yeah. listen to a ton of yeah, yeah. i don't know what yeah, the yeah. thing would be for you but um you know it's just like it's like you, it's it's kind of showing it there there are slides on my thing i don't post like no, oh it's, yeah you know how sad i am which is like <laughs> basically that's where the when the rap comes on and it's like the stuff you have on repeat yeah like the year of the the really yeah. dark year of 2020 as we now call it um i was listening to jackson c franks a ton it's like this really sad folk record especially the song uh blues run the game probably the greatest song ever in the history and it's like it's like you're in the top 0. 0.0001 percentile oh, of yeah, jackson yeah. c franks fans and i'm like no i'm fucking depressed <laughs> like they, another way to put that would be like i don't know if the world is still going to exist yes and my beard and. Is down to my chest so yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yes <laughs> and um I'm trying to find comfort in this fucking melancholy song <laughs> uh yeah i i just I, I want to say now that the fact that I loop an alchemist beat and listen yeah. to it for an hour is not necessarily a reflection of my music listening. Take that's what this spits back to me. It's like yeah. you like donuts. I'm like, right? Yes, I just play that a lot because that's a thing to play a lot. But that's totally. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to uh, to encapsulate it. But um, no. and we all yeah. know,
1: and everybody's has a couple embarrassing things on there, and it's it, it's it's good fun. I don't care. It's just the the festival poster one feels a little cynical to me. I don't know why I haven't had time to properly engage with why it's bothering me. But I'll say this. I'm super happy to see the homies. And if they get a little Dang. serotonin rush because it's like, you know, they're heading Wednesday for some guys' festival, then that's <laughs> fucking awesome. And I'm stupid. The funniest one I've actually the only funny one I've seen was um one of the rap Twitter homies posted his wife's. And it was, they obviously used the wife's phone to play music for their kids. So it was like Raffi. Oh, as I the saw that. And Cookie Monster <laughs> in the big font. And then like the wiggles down at the bottom. And it was so many. It was things I didn't even know. Oh,
0: that's. And hilarious. then there's like,
1: you know, some, a, a real artist stuck in there. And then it's like Whitney Houston. And then like <laughs> the count, you know what I mean? It was just <laughs> funny. It was super funny. I was like, that's funny. All of these yeah. other ones get this off my feed.
0: Uh, yes, any any tool for us to be even more self indulgent. And speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, you should tap into our Patreon. We are headed towards Quibble Jam, and what we're going to do is a tripartite—I learned that word from work—award nice. um, uh, show where we're going to do one episode strictly for the Patreon homies, and we're actually polling the Patreon homies uh, for their opinions on what the best rap records were. And we are going to build a show around that survey. If you want to be part of it, you want to have your voice heard. Uh, If you want to engage with that one, you need to be a subscriber. It's patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod. And then we are going to do two, uh, a two part episode of of Quibble Jam on this show, where we we cover all the the major categories. Nate, what are we going to be talking about on, on the quibs?
1: the year in music the year in hip-hop culture um we always you know there's always album of the year there's always song of the year um we usually do a best instrumental album um we do a most disappointing album yeah. um and then we have a ton of categories that we've um that are kind of our tried and true stuff we always threw a few curveballs in over um the rest of here and it's kind of funny we've mostly held to not knowing what each other are going to say yeah before the category comes up and oftentimes we agree because we have the same kind of music taste because we have a podcast together and we talk about music all the time and there are there have been some legitimate surprises over the years and especially dave like even though our Mm -hmm. musical taste is very similar um we'll always have a couple of wild cards and so um yeah i'm excited about it and we'll be recording and releasing those very very soon and um we're excited to do it it's a really fun show and there's always a little bit of like what the year was like for us and like yeah yeah spoil anything but we had a really fucking amazing year like
0: yeah we, we kind of did, did some
1: cool stuff and we had some successes and we you, you know, want to we... know
0: what capped it off nate you want to know what capped it off here's what capped it off friday after thanksgiving i went to an establishment affectionately known in this town as Hobags house <laughs> of bagels um and went to go get a bagel, and I go there all the time. You know, it's one of those places where they know my order, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: and from behind the counter, homegirl jumps out. She's like, hey, you were in the paper. You <laughs> were in the paper. And she walks out and gets the, the local alt-weekly that we made the cover of, picks it up, and she was like, you were in the paper. I'm like, I'm official in this town. I'm a yeah, made man.
1: Like, Do I have to pay for this bagel?
0: Yeah, I, which of course, I, of course I did, but... Yeah. um now pesto cheese with butter is famous up in Hobag. So
1: that's hilarious. um
0: and, and it was funny because I
1: have to tell walks, Lucy of that
0: on the on the rack, the 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 magazine was kind of open or the paper was kind of open, and it was just the the, the little fold of you um pointing the other way when I walked in and I'm like that's funny. This is hilarious. For three San Jose guys, three kind of hometown uh, San Jose, San Jose adjacent guys, uh, it, it was a fun time. We had a good, it, so it's an alt-weekly, you get on the cover for a week, um, and your friends and family have fun with it, people see you around town. Uh, it was a good time.
1: Yeah, I got uh, reports down to Gilroy and up to Menlo Park of people texting Sick. me pictures and they're like, "They, they, they it's funny because some people I haven't talked to in a long time, pandemic, et cetera, life's changed. And some people are kind of like, their tone of it is like, did you know you're in the newspaper? It's like, yes, I, that's I know a, I'm in the newspaper. No, that's a like, candid so shot funny. of us
0: like dry humping each other for story. <laughs> <score. laughs>
1: but yeah, uh, we funny. posted the link on our link tree and our twitter and our instagram if you guys yeah. want to read a little bit more about us and our friendship and the show and how it started and how and trash how my
0: apartment is <laughs> but dig in when i was walking out of work today i i thought about the the open and shout out to my guy ethan dodge who wrote this he starts with damon and his busted ass computer and his empty ass apartment um and i've never felt you're paraphrasing
1: a little yes yeah no he
0: did it more artfully but i i never felt more seen well it's Mm -hmm. i mean you know
1: it's a it's an audio medium so people don't get a lot of this but have you considered putting up a poster or uh, um yeah
0: or uh (laughs) i got the i got the tom newell joint uh sitting in the thing here's here's my thing and i will we'll wrap this up but um i have artist friends we both do like people who really do art, people who really curate, people who have museums and shit. Yeah, There's a way to hang art properly. And totally. it's like mis- mixing and mastering. I'll walk into a restaurant and be like, nope, that was just you guys throwing shit up on a wall. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so when I put things on a wall, that's how I feel. It's like a, a cafe where the shit's not right. And so, um, inevitably, I just never and framing is super
1: expensive and complicated, yeah. and yeah. all of the things that purport to make it easier don't. Like doing it myself has been a nightmare throughout my life. Like you just gotta like set some funds aside to get things framed properly. But I hear you, bud. Yeah, to to your apartment, it's nice. It's not there's nothing wrong with it. It's just funny that that's the part that bothered you, and Dave has the parts that bothered him, and I have the parts that bothered me. And yeah. I'm like, you know, we we're much more used to talking to. Two people and it being the interviewers rather Not than being the interviewees. interviewees. And for sure. it was a fun kind of like reversal of fortune in that way. But um, yeah, anyway, join the Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash dad bod pod. We're on Twitter for the time being uh, at dad bod rap pod. We're on Instagram uh, at dad bod rap pod. And, um, you know, the year's coming to a close. We have a lot more um, stuff to bring you, but probably. We'll be taking a couple of years or weeks off at the end of the year on the main show, but staying a little bit more active on the Patreon. So if you want to hear these thoughts, that's probably more where we're going to be for the next little while. But, um, you know, we have a we have things, I think, already banked for next year. So. Yeah, we <laughs> do. Just...
0: 2023 is already shaping up, y'all. So yeah. um, shout out to everybody that, that's rocked with us. Stay tuned for our Cherry on Top Quibble Jam episodes coming up real soon. And you know what it is every Thursday dead bod rap pod